aren't you? Praise God. Go to the book of 1 John. It's the one near the back of your Bible. 1 John. We'll read here in a few minutes, but I just want you to be there so when we're ready to read, we can read. So it's one of those small books at the back, and so I want to make sure you got it. 1 John chapter 4. Again, it's so good to see you today in the house of the Lord. If you think I'm sort of grimacing at you sometime, I'm not. I've got this cold sore inside my mouth that's making me talk a little funny. And so don't think, man, he's sort of making an ugly face at me. It's not intentional. Uh, praise God. I figured I better explain that when I winced at somebody earlier. I was like, I don't know. My smile doesn't look like a smile at the moment sometimes. So it sort of hurts to smile. Um, you know, we were all brought up different. I could walk around the room and ask stories of how you were brought up. And every single one of us in the room has a story. I don't doubt that for a minute. Um, and we can compare stories. That's, that's usually not wise. Um, what I have learned is, I wish I'd have learned it a lot earlier in life, but what I learned is the more I would compare stories about the way I was brought up, the longer it kept me held in a place of victimhood. Does that make sense? I could blame so much stuff if I wanted to on my upbringing. I'm not saying that my upbringing or your upbringing didn't affect your life. You understand that. All of us, our lives have been affected by our upbringing. But I have to recognize and come to a place to realize that God, when we come into relationship, he and I, and he begins to work in my life and yours, he can make things new in my life. To where I'm no longer simply a product of my circumstances. Now, the adversary wants us to believe that we are just a product of our circumstances. Again, I'm not denying that we're not shaped by life circumstances in the upbringing. But we can take the circumstances of life and put them in the hands of God, and God can take that which the enemy meant for evil and use it for good. We know the story of Joseph. I'm not going to walk through it this morning. Joseph could have said, well, I don't know about you, but my brothers hated me. I don't know about you, but they hated me so much that they threw me into a pit and talked about killing me in front of me. 
And I don't know about your life and how you were brought up, but when I was a teenager, my brother sold me into slavery. Oh, you want to compare stories of your upbringing? Joseph could have done that. I was separated as a teenager from my father who loved me. My mother died at a young age. And I had, when, he was, when I was a young age, and I had, oh, by the way, 11 other brothers and 10 of them hated me. And so they sold me into slavery. I was separated from my family as a teenager, and I was separated them, from them for many, many years. I was a slave in a country I didn't even know where I'd never been before. I had to live in somebody's house and serve them as a slave. And then I was lied on in that house because I wouldn't have an affair with my master's wife. She lied on me, and then I was thrown in prison. And compare stories with what you've been through. See, this is a deception of the enemy to cause us to doubt what God can do in our life. We'll hold on to what we've been through. God doesn't erase it from our memory. He takes it and uses it to show others the power of God to radically deliver and transform a life regardless of the circumstances in which we came up or came through. If you want to live in bondage, then you and I can choose to do so. We can be a bondage to our past. You say, well, God deliver me from my past. He can do that. But I, I, I know this from my own experience. I've had to have the Lord to heal me and deliver me. I could live for God, be filled with his spirit, be used of God, but still be in bondage to my past because I I remain in thoughts of being a victim. Versus going, oh, I was at one time, but I'm not anymore. I'm not anymore. See, we have to put our lives into the hand of God. And putting our lives in the hand of God, part of that, a large part of that, in the working of the blood of Jesus in our life, and the working of his spirit in our soul, is to stop using my past as an excuse for my present. Would you pray with me again before we go any further? I feel like the Holy Ghost would really like to help us if we are willing to be present here this morning and allow him to talk to our life where we are. You understand we can be here but not be present. We can be sitting in this room and not be present. We can be here and hearing words and not be present. I want to be present where the Lord is. I want to be in the middle of what he's saying and doing. I want to be in tune with your voice, God. We need you. We need you. I pray every distraction cast down. Every element of distraction cast down, Father. And I pray your spirit and your word reaching into our heart the way that you intend and the way that you desire and the way that you long to.
in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We are shaped. We are shaped by our upbringing. I'm not denying that. And no doubt, some in the room may have had better or worse circumstances than others. I'm not denying that. You understand that this morning? Not making light of what anyone's endured or gone through. But there's a place in God where we live and we walk in power and in victory. And part of that is coming to understand some things about God and his desire for relationship with us and his word so that we stop living under the cloud of yesterday's experiences. I was, um, I was raised in a military home. And so there were disciplines in place. And uh, if I missed the mark, anybody ever missed the mark? If I missed the mark, there was punishment in place. And sometimes more severe than others. And so what happened in my life is... I grew up afraid to miss the mark. Anybody ever been afraid of missing the mark? I was afraid to miss the mark. I was afraid to be wrong. I was afraid to make a mistake. Because I knew being wrong or making a mistake meant consequences that I did not like. And so, as a result of that, I lived in fear of failure. I lived in fear of failure. And so, I made great grades in school. Anybody make great grades in school? Not as many hands. I, I made great grades in school. I, I did. I was like an A-plus student. Started strong. Did really well in kindergarten. It was downhill after that. No. I, I was an, an A-plus student. I wasn't because I was brilliant. I was motivated. I was driven. I was driven to perfection. Everything right. Now, my children, having been raised by me, they've had to deal with elements of this along the way. Because it was, became a part of my DNA in some ways. And the Lord had to rework things in my life. Now, I was an A-plus student. I was a people pleaser. Any people pleasers in the room? I was a people pleaser. You know why I made great grades? 
You know why I was motivated to please people? Same reason some of you. Fear. Fear is your motivator. You may not want to acknowledge it, but fear is your motivator. Fear of failure. Fear of rejection. If I don't do it right or well, they may reject me. Fear of being wrong. Fear of not being liked. And so you became a people pleaser. You didn't become a people pleaser because you really wanted to please everybody. You became a people pleaser because you were fear of rejection. i tell you what happened to me when I was a kid. And the Lord had to heal me and deliver me. Because of my fear of rejection and my fear of failure and my desire to please people and be liked by people. Nothing wrong with being liked by people, you understand. I became fake. Not all the time. You understand? Just when I needed to. If I was around Brother Lewis and Brother Lewis started giving off a certain, can I use the word vibe? If, if in his communication he said something or looked a certain way or acted a certain way, that made me to think he might be rejecting me or he might not be fully accepting of me, then what I would do is I would adapt myself. Because rather than being true and real, I'd rather be accepted by Brother Lewis. And therein, because of fear of rejection... Parts of your life become a lie. Many, many things that are just surface and they simply hide what's beneath the surface. And ask a question. The mind analyzes everything. What are they getting at? What are they trying to do? What? Are, okay, what do they want me to say that makes me accepted? How do I respond to this so they think well of me? How to? I know what I'm talking about. I've lived in this place. What do I do so that they'll accept me? What? Do I, how do I? And the entire makeup without even realizing it before long, you morph into this individual that is simply seeking acceptance, 
trying to please fear of, and it's all motivated by fear. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of loss, fear of you, you fill in the blank. There is a better way. There is a way that's true. That's honest. That's genuine. And it is free from the burden of all of that. Because I can tell you, I lived under the burden of all that way too long. Had to be careful in some ways. I swung the other way too far. I didn't care what anybody thought. How does that happen? Well, because... I got my affirmation from people, not from God. My confidence in who he had designed me to be came from what people said about me rather than what I knew from him about me. Is this making any sense to anybody this morning? I feel like the Holy Ghost is really wanting to help some of us. I would get on a plane and travel with my job at times. And I can tell you how strong this would become along the way when I was working with Walmart and I'd maybe go to meetings. I'd get on a plane to travel. And when I'd get ready to step on the plane, fear would grip me. I wasn't afraid of flying. The fear that would grip me wasn't fear about, oh my goodness, this plane, oh no. The fear that would grip me was if something happens and this plane goes down, my family, what's going to happen to my family? I wasn't afraid of something happening to me, this fear of loss. Why was I not afraid of something happening to me? I'll tell you why. Because I had already determined I didn't have any value. I know this is different this morning. I feel like the Holy Ghost is trying to help somebody. There's a way to live differently. God intends for you and I to live differently. He intends for us to live without fear in the authority of who he is in relationship with him. I served God so hard like i mean so hard i was by measures a good christian walk the straight line do the right things don't do the wrong things but the problem was my living for god even my living for god was all rooted in fear If I mess up, he's going to smack me over the head. God's just watching me, waiting for me to mess up. And you know what happens? My pastor and I would talk, and I was sure my pastor was just trying to look for things where I was messing up. Well, there was nothing further from the truth. He loved me. He was there. To... But I know these elements come in 
And we deal with those things in our life because of upbringing. We sang that song. I didn't know we were going to sing that song. But Ethan and the others sang that song. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. See, I had to come to the recognition. Hold on. I belong to him. He's a father who loves me. I want you to read here with me in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16. This is the answer. This is the answer to break free from those cycles that I just described to you. And we have known. Everybody say, we have known. That word known there means experientially. It doesn't mean intellectually. This is what would happen. This was the problem for me early on in my life. I knew all this stuff intellectually. I'd heard it my whole life. I could quote it. I tried to walk according to the letter. I lived according to the letter. But the letter of the law kills. It's bondage. Spirit gives it life. But that word known there doesn't mean known intellectually. Like, oh, I've got it memorized. I understand it. I can quote it back to you. I can, And I've been around people that can tell me everything the word says. But I don't see evidence that their life is living what the word says. And by that, I mean, I don't see the word living in them. I'm not talking about actions that I see. I'm talking about things of the spirit that come across. That word known there is not some gained intellectual knowledge that you're going to get through tons and tons and tons of study. That word known there literally means experientially. Right? Like, I could give you a manual on how to install a sprinkler system and set the heads to go certain directions and certain distances. And you could read it and you could say, I now know how to install a sprinkler system and set the heads. And I would say to you, when's the last set of sprinklers that you installed? And you would be like, oh, I've never done it, but I know how because I've really, really studied it. Or I could go to Brother Azario and Brother Lewis and say, hey, do you know how? And they could say, yes. And I'd say, how do you know? Tell me what you've studied and read. And they may say, well, I haven't studied and read, but let me tell you how many times I've done it. I have experienced sprinkler installation and adjustment. You seeing the difference here? The word there, known, isn't, I read the manual, I understand the manual, I could do it if I had to. The word known there is, I've lived it, I've walked in it, I've experienced it. I know it because it's something I've done and been a part of. And what I'd lived early in my life was, I knew it, I'd read it, I'd heard it. But I just hadn't allowed God to work in my life the way He wanted to, to fully experience it. And so I knew it all. But even though I, I, you understand, I didn't know it all. But I knew a bunch of it. I'd read the word probably as much or more than many, many, many 16-year-olds. I don't say that bragging. It was motivated by my fear. Now, God in his great mercy, God in his great mercy, when he delivered me from that, he took all that stuff that he said, now let me use it different. That's why I just keep getting revelation now. 
I had so much that I knew knowledge-wise, but I didn't know experientially. That word they're known as, and we have experienced. And because we've experienced, we believed the love that God has to us. I can't just quote 20 different verses on the love of God. I mean, I can, but I know. I have experienced the love of God. Now, here's a depth of that experience. I didn't experience it because I earned it through my performance. That was the fear that was working back in the day. I came to the place where I experienced it regardless of my performance. And then when I experienced it that way, I wanted to, I use this word very loosely, I don't mean it this way. I wanted to perform. But like this, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. See, when I was motivated by fear, it was the other way around. When I was motivated by fear, I wanted to keep his commandments because I thought that would prove that I loved him. What it really proved is I really had no experience with his love to the depth that he wanted to. Because when you and I truly experience the love that God has for us, it does away with fear. My life becomes honest. My communication becomes honest. I stop trying to project things so that people will accept me and receive me. I only want to please one, him. Do I care what other people think? Of course I do, but not the same way. I care what he thinks most. We believe the love that God, God is love. And he that dwells in love dwells in God. And God dwells in him. See, we skip over that first one. Dwells in God. God can dwell in you and you not dwell in him. But if you dwell in love, you'll dwell in God. And your life examples that. Herein is our love made perfect or complete that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. I want you to see, what does that mean, boldness in the day of judgment? Remember how I said fear? I had fear of punishment for my failure. Fear of, of somebody smacking me upside the head. That was rooted in upbringing. And so it came into my relationship with God. God said, oh, I'm not that kind of father. I don't work that way. I love you to obedience. I don't punish you to obedience. I love you to obedience. And my failure at times, because I'm as human as you and I still fail, my failure doesn't mean he stops loving. So what happens when I fail? Well, the old me 
Maybe the old you, maybe the present you. I don't know. You know where you're at. And the old me, when I failed, I would try to do anything and everything to fix it before it was realized. I still have to battle some of those elements at times where I want to be ahead of everything. I want to be ahead of everything because I want it to be right. I want it to be it's rooted in some of those things. And so the old me, if I failed, was like, okay, let's make sure I get as much fixed as I can. And if you're not careful, you'll walk in dishonesty to appear that everything's okay. Which is a greater detriment. Oldness in the day of judgment. So I'm walking with the Lord. He loves me and I fail. What do I do? I'll tell you what I do. I run to him. I run to him. I failed. I missed the mark. I can't do it without you. I need your help. I need right. I, I, I don't fear being honest with God because he loves me. I don't try to fool him. But if I'm not honest with myself, I'm trying to fool God. I have boldness in the day of judgment. Why do I have boldness? I don't fear judgment. Does that make sense? I don't fear judgment. How come I don't fear judgment? Because he loves me. I believe the working of his blood in my life. I believe the price he paid for me. I believe that he, I've experienced it. And so I don't fear judgment for my wrong. I come to, that doesn't mean I live callously like, well, it doesn't matter if I goof up, mess up, make a mess. No, no, I want to walk upright before the Lord. But I do it because he loves me. Not because I'm afraid of messing up. As he is, so are we in this world. Verse 18. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. When I recognize the love that God has for me, I don't walk in fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of loss, fear of, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't have a hold on me anymore. Because he loves me. And I know this, I've experienced this. Perfect love, complete love does something to fear. It doesn't just cover it, it casts it out. It casts it out. I know people who, because of whatever reason, one reason that comes to mind, I know people who fear getting some terminal, terminal illness because somebody in their family had a terminal illness somewhere along the way. I have people in my family that have had terminal illnesses. I, I don't even consider that in terms of like, man, what if that happens to me? I, I don't know what if that could, why? Could it happen? Sure it could. No fear of that. Why? Because I'm really accomplished and I got it all figured out. Of course not. He loves me. He loves me. My father loves me and he has power over all of that. And because he has power over that and he loves me, then 
there's either one of two things that are going to happen. Either he's going to cover me and nothing's going to happen, or he's going to cover me and something happens because he allowed it and he's got a plan. But either way, I don't give room to fear. But my, mine or your past circumstances would try to cause fear to rise up. I know individuals who have lost children. And then they have to battle the fear when they have another child of losing that child. I don't discount that. I don't minimize that. I, I, I can respect that that's very real. When you come to a place in relationship with God, he loves me. Come what may, he loves me. His love towards me is perfect. His desire towards me is better than my desire for myself. His care for me is pure and real. I don't need to hide anything. I don't have to project something. I am who I am by him and by his goodness. He loves me as I am. Perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that fears, watch he that fears is not made complete or perfect in love. Can I tell you what I've learned in my own life? I've had to let the love of God continue to reach into areas of my life and work. I may experience it on one level, but then I'll have something creep up. and I'm like, what in the world? And I realize I've got to let the love of God for me come in and reach into that place to bring peace again, to bring assurance, to drive out every element of fear. Would you stand with me here this morning? The Lord loves you. He really does. He loves you so completely. See, the mistake that is often made is that twists the, the mistake that twists the love of God is like, well, you know what? God just loves me as I am, so it doesn't really matter. Oh, it does matter. He loved me even in that condition I described to you earlier. But he loved me too much to just leave me living in that condition. He didn't want me to continue to live that way the rest of my life. Love said, if you'll let me, I'll reach in there and change. Can I tell you what the greatest key was in the love of God beginning to reach in and operate in my life in some of those many areas I talked to you about just in these last few minutes? Greatest element. Brutal, sincere honesty. Honesty with God. Realness with God. I mean, he knows anyway, right? But a willingness to no more fronts, God. No more facade, God. No more 
putting on until I figure it out. If I put on long enough, maybe I'll figure it out. No, none of that. No more of God. Honest before you. And you know what I wrestle with with that? Well, but if I'm real and honest, what if he rejects me? No. He doesn't. Well, yeah, but what if men do? Right. What if men do? I have to determine, do I want to please men or do I want to please God? Do I want to live in agreement with his word and his spirit? Or do I want to live my own way? Would you talk to the Lord where you are right now? I feel like the spirit of the Lord and the word of the Lord has been gently confrontive this morning. I feel the spirit of the Lord reaching to help us. Well, would you talk honestly with the Lord right now? If there's any element here where the word of God has reached to where you are and illuminated anything in your life, would you be willing to bring that to him right now? Well, would you be willing to be honest before the Lord and recognize who he intends for you to be in him? Lord, we know you're not denying our upbringing or what we came through. You're not discounting or dismissing that, but you're greater than all of those things. You're greater than all of those things. Every vessel in this room you love unconditionally. Every individual in this room you died for without reservation. Every soul in this room, Father, is of great value to you. I pray let the lies of the adversary that would try to hold them in bondage to fear be broken. And let the perfect, complete, and pure love of God reach into their heart and reach into their life. Let it reach to the very root of their being. Let it reach to the very root of their soul. Let it reach to the very root of their thoughts. In the name of Jesus, I pray whether it's the overprotective parent for fear of their child, or whether it's the overprotective spouse, Father, for fear of their...